Welcome everybody to podcast today for August 11th, 2016. Today I am talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, another Harry Potter review. I'm actually two films further ahead in watching them, but nonetheless, those reviews will come to you in due course, because podcasts. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban released in 2004. It's interesting that this was the first film that had a two-year lead-in time rather than a year. And, it, you know, they had to rush these films out because the, the, the principal cast members, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, and Daniel Radcliffe, would have been far too old had they not. Because most films work in like two or three year release schedules. And if they churn one of these out every three years, the kids would have been in their 20s by the time they got the third year, so they obviously couldn't do that. But it's interesting to, to note that the films never really suffer for quality. They never seem rushed. They never seem kind of haphazardly thrown together and then not really thought through because they only had a year to make it. Though in this instance, they had two years to make it, as opposed to a single year. And they had that kind of flip-flops. For example, The Goblet of Fire was only made in a year, but then The Order of the Phoenix was made in two years. So it's interesting to see, to see which ones they thought they might have needed a bit of extra time for. Though they got all these films out in 10 years. Eight films in 10 years is actually quite an impressive feat. <laughs> Fair play to them. That's actually not that easy. But we, we had new cast members again, as I said. Brilliant British actors playing silly roles. Gary Oldman, Commissioner Gordon himself. Count Dracula himself playing Sirius Black. Harry's godfather who escaped from Azkaban, who is the titular prisoner of Azkaban. Also had, uh, of course, Michael Gambon replacing Richard Harris as Dumbledore, which is, is, is interesting. He doesn't play a huge role in this. He's not a kind of instrumental character. He plays more of a periphery role. He, he kind of grows into the series as a, a more important, like fundamental central character as the series progresses. Timothy Spall was introduced as Peter Pettigrew, Emma Thompson as, as Professor Trelawney. And of course, actually the, the one that I, I liked most, David Twelis as, as Lupin. I, I liked his Lupin. I like Lupin as a character because like Lupin is the, the the wise old soul without actually having any terrible past or anything. Fair enough, he's a werewolf, but you know what I mean. My favorite thing about this film is how often Snape pretty much outright says, look, that guy's a werewolf. For example, when he takes over Lupin's class for a day, he teaches them about werewolves. And every time they come together, it's like, oh, you're pretty much a werewolf. He doesn't outright say it, but it's just like, yeah, you're a werewolf. I'm not going to pretend you're not a werewolf to these kids. I'm just going to say it outright. You're a werewolf. This is the, the first film where they kind of got notably darker, where the, the series took its kind of full dark turn. Obviously, like, The Philosopher's Stone is kind of whimsical and magical and, and full of wonder. Then Chamber of Secrets kind of leans toward 50-50. Chamber of Secrets is kind of a, it's kind of a Philosopher's Stone greatest hits. It's like, here's the Quidditch bit, and here's the Diagon Alley bit. They, they kind of abandoned all of that by the time we got to Prisoner of Azkaban, where it's like, full, dark, heavy, Ooh. Dementors, and uh, it's it's okay. It's, it's not great. It's it feels like like Chamber of Secrets and this feels like filler films. Like Voldemort is pretty much not in this film. He's just not there. He doesn't play a role. He's not important. It is more about Harry and his relationship with his estranged godfather, whom he never knew assumed was a a horrible convicted felon, and was very quickly turned around to the idea that he was not a horrible convicted felon. I know the idea is Harry is pretty much desperate for family. He's horribly lonely and on his own in the world and doesn't want to live by himself anymore and live with the, the Dursleys anymore, but he is very quick to take to this supposed mass murderer as his best pal. <laughs> He's like, I want to live with you. I've known you for four seconds, but I want to live with you. It's like, okay, this is clearly a man who is damaged and has severe issues. But if he wants to live with the strange serial killer man, that's fine. I suppose Harry trusts Lupin and then Lupin trusts 
serious so kind of a law of transitivity thing going on there this this is another film that does a good job of kind of foreshadowing its plot elements i think the series does a good job of that sometimes it feels a little ham-fisted where ideas are introduced in the film when they could have easily been introduced in in prior films but they play a role in that plot whereas like for a film series it's it's nice to create that bit of continuity where something in the last film has a role in the next film as opposed to putting everything into a single film though you could also argue that not everyone that's going to see this film will have seen the prior films and you want to make this film as as kind of standalone-ish as you possibly can you don't want to make it too dense and thick and impossible to actually skip out on Chamber of Secrets and then come back in on Prisoner of Azkaban, but you know, have no idea what's happening. That's that's not really the case with any of these films. Well, not any of these films, but most of these films kind of stand on their own. And, and what happens in the prior films obviously affects where the plot is going, but it doesn't prohibit anybody from jumping onto the film but yeah like like the, the way the, the, a lot of shots are framed that has the the, the kind of pendulum clock in them and the, and the clock is, is kind of a, a key recurring feature to, to foreshadow the time travel element that comes in though i will say a lot of those disparate elements don't really come together or seem i don't know kind of detached from the broader narrative at times like the hermione stuff where she's using a time turner to get the classes that that didn't really land much for me it's just like okay a teacher allowed her to time travel so she could learn more i was just suppose teachers would enjoy students wanting to learn more but still <laughs> it doesn't seem like very responsible behavior though this this is a school that is not very responsible at all like like voldemort broke in in first year voldemort broke in in second year though in fairness that was via a book Voldemort memories broken in second year Sirius Black broken in third year so this this is not you know a very safe school they do not take safety and security and looking after their students very seriously for example like like even in freaking Chamber of Secrets like it took six, six people to be petrified before they're like maybe we should you know send the kids home maybe they're not safe <laughs> so yeah Hogwarts is a reckless place at a place that that should should not be allowed open dumbledore is running a very loose ship in fact dumbledore is the one that's like hey harry and hermione why don't you time travel <laughs> it's fun right it's like god damn it these poor kids these poor kids aren't safe yeah this is this is the film where where things just begin to get darker alfonso Cuaron, who made gravity made this film it was his only entry in the harry potter franchise and he you can see the films getting kind of artsier that's the arts here isn't really Chris Columbus's style. Kind of wonder is more of Chris Columbus's style. But then by the time like Alfonso Cuarón takes over, you, you can see the films just kind of striving to be a little more artistically valid. They're they're more interestingly shot, which I think works because like it's a world of magic and wonder and fantasy and brilliance. So you can have these sweeping shots of this wonderful magical castle and this magical grounds. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this film. I, I think it works on a functional level, but I don't think it does much more than that. It's pretty good. It's solid. And the, the the three leads continue to develop and grow as the, the, the series progresses. They're they're fairly good at this stage. Slowly getting better. As I said, if those three are bad, this film franchise would have fallen apart. Though would it? Probably not. There's enough like super talented supporting cast members to really make this film work. Yeah. It's solid. You can listen to new episodes of podcasts today every single day at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can subscribe on iTunes search for TWS Network. You can subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at GarrettKidneyG or E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y as I look to my left Olympics update. Ireland are currently beating Canada in the field hockey 3-1. to We need to win our last two games to qualify. We need to beat Canada and Argentina. So hopefully we'll at least qualify. I don't think we have a hope in hell of actually winning uh, any medals in hockey. But nonetheless, qualifying is not bad, is it? Thanks for listening and bye-bye.